Hey everyone, thank you for joining us this week on our podcast. We're continuing in week three of our series on grace. And um, the first week we went and we talked about how we are belie- as believers are to live under this new covenant of grace, why grace is important to us as believers. And we're going to go into that a, a little bit more uh, in the coming weeks. Um, last week we talked about Abraham and his covenant with God and how the Abrahamic covenant with God was not a covenant of works. It wasn't a covenant that was based on Abraham having to perform to measure up to a certain standard, but rather it was a covenant of grace. It was a covenant where God didn't say, if you, then I. God said, I will bless you. I will do this. I will do that. And so this week, I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about the Mosaic Covenant, uh, commonly known as the law. And I, I want to really go and begin to dive in and look at what it is and and what the purpose of the law was, because so many Christians misunderstand the purpose of the law. And if you misunderstand the purpose of the law, you will be incorrect in your application of the law as far as what it is to do for us as believers. So let's go ahead and start off in John chapter 1 and verse 14. It's talking about Jesus here, and it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Watch this. Jesus was full of two things, full of grace and truth. Now John bore witness of him, verse 15, cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said to you, comes after me, is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness, verse 16, we have all received and grace for grace. Now, the, the, the Greek there, as far as, as, far as I know, it, it refers to uh, grace, anti-grace, grace on top of grace, grace in place of grace, grace, uh, you know, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace is really the way that we could say it. Now, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Watch that. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now notice this, John is going and he is drawing a line in the sand. He is drawing a definitive line and he's saying there are two sides to this thing. On one side, you have the law which came by Moses. On the other side, you have grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And he says that of his fullness, we believers have all received grace on top of grace on top of grace on top of grace. So, Let's go ahead and look at this Mosaic law, this, this old covenant, and as we go and look at it, let's go ahead and see how it does differ from the, the other covenants that we see. And, and you see that, uh, let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 19, and this is, this is, I mean, literally chapters after uh, God has gone and, and brought the Israelites out of Egypt and destroyed the armies of Pharaoh, and, and you see the Israelites are... They, they are not grateful at all. They, they haven't been grateful for all these different things. They have, uh, you know, bitter water, and um, they, they go and come after Moses and Aaron, and God goes and performs a miracle there, and it's, it's miracle after miracle after miracle, and, and God is operating with them in grace as, as best as he can, but they keep refusing his offering. And now let's, let's look at this here in Exodus 19. And verse 3, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. 
saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the, house of the, or tell the children of Israel, You've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, now notice this. This is, this is where it begins to change. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all those words which the Lord had commanded him. Verse 8, then the people answered all together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now, another uh, another translation of that says, all that the Lord has spoken, we are well able to do. You, you see, they're saying that whatever the Lord tells us to do, we can handle it. We will do whatever God tells us to do. We can measure up in our own standing. And that is where the, the Mosaic Covenant differs completely from the Abrahamic Covenant and the grace of God. God, God initially starts it out with conditions. He says, if you will obey my voice, Notice there's a condition, if you will, if you obey, if you obey, then you shall be a special people. If you keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me. And he's going and he's presenting himself here as a, as a God who's saying, I am presenting to you a standard, a list of rules, of regulations, of things that you need to follow in order to be declared holy in my eyes, in order to be declared just in my eyes. And he goes and, and right out of this comes the Ten Commandments. He goes and he, he begins to give the Ten Commandments and then gives the, the 600, and plus other, uh, 600 plus other rules and regulations of the Old Covenant. And th this, is, this is where the, the wheels began to come off because God knew he knew that there were no, there, there was no way that people could go and measure up to this standard. God had set the standard so high that there was no way on earth man could measure up to it. So God goes and introduces animal sacrifices. And he says that the, these sacrifices are for the atoning or, or for the covering of sins. And you, you go and you offer up these sacrifices uh, once a year before me, and, and when you offer them up, that they will be the covering for sins. Now let's go ahead and look at Hebrews, where, where the writer of Hebrews goes and actually begins to, to discuss this. And he tells us that in Hebrews 10.1, the law having a shadow of the good things to come. So, so the law, remember Paul, Paul says over and over again that the law is good. The law is perfect. The law is holy. Paul isn't saying that the law is wrong. Paul's saying that the law is so good and so holy that no matter what I do, I can't measure up to it. He says that I, I, there's no way on earth that I could, I could hold that standard. Uh, and the writer of Hebrews is, is following up with this. He says that the law has a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of those things can never, with the same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Because if they could have made those who approach perfect, verse 2, would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. And, and you see, that's, that is the difference between the old and the new covenant. In these sacrifices under the old covenant, there's a reminder for sins, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 3, that there is a constant reminder of sins and that those sacrifices could not 
take away the sins of humanity. It couldn't do it. No matter how much we, we wanted those sins to be taken away, no matter how much we wanted uh, those sins to be gone, they could not take away the sin nature. They couldn't take away that consciousness of sins where you're, you're thinking about, Am I sinning? 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 Am I following the law? Am I following all its rules and regulations? And yeah, I, I, got, I went and I honored the Big Ten, but you know, we went, I went out with some of my friends and had a bacon cheeseburger, and then I rode in the car, um, you know, with my friends. It was a group of mixed men and women, and then we went to we went to Saturday night service at church, and um, you know, the one of the women was there on on her cycle, and. Um, you know, it just goes on and on. All those things are law-breaking. All of those things are breaking of the Mosaic law. The standard is impossible to keep. You go and you live your life perfect and accidentally put on a shirt that's got cotton and linen in it, and you're sunk. You're, you are literally sunk. The law was meant to be so perfect that humanity could not, no matter what it did, keep it. Now... Let's go ahead and look at Romans chapter 3 and uh, verse, verse 19. It says, Now then we know that whoever or whatever is under the law, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth might be stopped and the world might become guilty before God. So this is what the purpose of the law is. It's to show that every single person here on earth is guilty of the law. No one could keep it. The purpose of the law is to show that all are guilty before God, and by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified for his, in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Literally, the, the law is meant to bring humanity, to bring mankind to an end of himself, to bring humanity to an end of itself, because no matter what I did, no matter how perfect I am, no matter how much I've gone and, and tried to keep the law and measure up to the law and hold up to the standard of the law, no matter how much I've gone and done that, I cannot measure up. Now, that doesn't mean the law is, is bad. Paul says uh, just a couple chapters over in verse 7 that the, the law is not sin. Certainly not. I wouldn't have known sin except through the law. Uh, verse 7, for, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, you shall not covet. And Paul's pulling out one of the big ten. You know, so many people want to go ahead and say that we're free as believers from the ceremonial laws, the washing of hands and the, the eating of, of pig and the, the mixed fabrics and all these different things. But the, the big ten you've got to hold on to. Paul says, I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So he's using that as his example here of the law. And sin, verse 8, taking opportunity in, by that commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. The, the, the sin, uh, verse, verse 10, the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring, bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it it killed me. The, the law was there to go and to take us that we would see sin, verse 11, has then what's good become death to me? Death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. And so this is, this is what the law is doing. The law is there to go and hold up humanity's worst aspects and put them on display and show us that no matter how good you are, you could not measure up. You see, the purpose of the law is simply to show you as a believer how much you need Jesus. It's to show you how much you need Jesus. Christ, uh, Romans 10 verse 4, 
uh, it says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. Now notice this. This is that if-then behavior we talked about under the Old Covenant. Uh, The man who does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the earth, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with the, in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. This is, this is how this new covenant works. It's no longer based on your works, your actions, your having to follow a, a list of 600 plus rules and regulations and commandments. No, it's simply believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. All you do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and that is it. It's over and it's done with. We are saved by grace through faith. We are not saved by the law. Galatians uh, chapter... Three and let, let's go ahead and and look at verse seventeen here. Remember, we, we see over and over again that Abraham is our father in the faith, not Moses, not the Mosaic law. And I say this in verse seventeen: the law, which was four hundred and thirty years after the promise of Abraham, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. So the law has no no authority over the promise that God made through Christ. For if the inheritance is of the law, it's no longer by promise. If the inheritance is of the law, if it's based on if you, then I, it's no longer based on God's goodness to you. It's based on how well you measure up to that standard. He says, God gave it to Abraham by promise. God said, I will, I will, I will, I will bless you. I will make your name great. So then what's the purpose of the law? You know, that, that's, that's a very logical question. You know, we talked a, a, a few minutes ago that it, it goes and the purpose of law was to bring man, to, uh, humanity to an end of itself. But verse 19, Paul goes and gives us a little more context on this. He says, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed by, through the angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, uh, in Romans, he, he also says that the law, the purpose of the law was to, to make sin appear to be sin. We just read that. He's literally saying to, to make a, a covenant or to, to make uh, sin transgression. You know, if I'm over in Germany on the Autobahn and I'm driving, there's no speed limit over there. It is not a sin for me to go and take my car and drive 125 miles an hour. However, it is a sin for me to go and put myself and others in danger by how I'm driving. Now, if I go and I get on I-35 here in Fort Worth and I decide to buzz up it on at 120 miles an hour, then I'm breaking the law of the land because the speed limit on that road is 70. And if I go above 70, I am now in violation of the law. The, the law is to go and show you uh, where your, your incorrect behavior has its limits, where you're no longer following those rules and regulations. Now, uh, so it was appointed by the hand of a mediator, uh, through the angels by a hand of a mediator, verse 20. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. There's no way, Paul's saying here, that 
this law, this old covenant could have given life. If it could, righteousness could have came through the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that by the, pro the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to all those who believe. Before faith has come, we were kept under guard by the law. The law was there to keep us on track. It was there to keep us uh, in the right lane, so to speak, to keep us going the speed limit. Um, and it kept, it, we were kept under guard by the law for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Verse 24, therefore, the job of the law, it was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Remember, we said it was to show us we needed Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying here. And then once we see we need Jesus, we can then be justified by faith. But after faith has come, everybody wants to stop there. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But read the next verse. Don't just stop there. After faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. We no longer have to live under that tutorship of the law. The law is no longer there to instruct the believer, to direct the believer, to show the believer how to live. Once you've gone and made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the law has no more place for you as a believer. It literally has no more application. And we're out of time. We're going to go ahead and uh, pick up there next week. And we're just going to keep feeding into the, the difference of, of the law versus grace and, and comparing and contrasting the two in the next coming weeks. And, and it's really an exciting topic. This, this is something that, again, I know I've said this a, a few times, but it really began to change my life and, and set me free from some things. And, and I believe that it'll do the same for you. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, tune in next Monday. And we've got a whole new uh, podcast ready for you. We're going to be continuing, like we said, to dive into this message on grace. Go ahead and check us out on our website, bygraceinternational.com. You can check us out on social media at bygraceintl on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. We're, we're on all of those. Please go ahead and sign up for our mailing list if you're not already on it. Uh, we'd love to, to be in contact with you. We promise not to send you too many emails. Um, but, you know, sign up for our mailing list and we'll send you a free download link to, to a message that I preached a few months ago called Faith is Not a Formula. Uh, and we'll, we're going to send that over to you. And, and I just really believe that that message will, will bless you and will really encourage you and, and strengthen you in your faith as you learn to walk in, in the faith of God. So thank you again for joining us. Look forward to seeing you next week.